I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6 in just a moment. We are uh, in a sermon series, Loving God Through Faithful Giving. It's our stewardship emphasis, and we're thinking together about loving God and loving neighbors through our faithful giving and our faithful sharing. And I want to read to you uh, the very primary command of love that is given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. And if you're able, would you stand, please, as I read aloud from God's Word. Now this is the commandment, Deuteronomy 6, 1 and following. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances, that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land and that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with fine large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill, Take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and might. This is called the Shema, based on the first word, the imperative verb, Listen or hear, Shema. It is a prayer that is recited by faithful Jews twice a day, morning and evening. And it, of course, should sound familiar to you. Two weeks ago, we preached from the Mark passage, Mark chapter 12, Jesus quoting this verse when asked what the greatest commandment was. And he added, the second is likened to it, you'll love your neighbor as yourself, that from Leviticus. And if you remember that, good for you, you're paying attention. This morning we're focusing on the Deuteronomy passage and we're thinking together about loving God and loving neighbor in very concrete ways. And somebody might read this passage of scripture and say, well, you know, pastor, it's kind of a stretch. There's, how is this a stewardship sermon about giving our money and our time and our influence and our talents? Uh, because there's nothing here referenced about giving money and there's nothing about being a steward of our time. But really that's the problem, isn't it? That so often when we talk about stewardship, so often when we talk about giving money or time or influence or talents, we start there and it becomes a legalistic chore when in reality 
God wants us to burrow down deeper, and God wants us to think about why we give. He wants us to give out of love, love for God and love for neighbor. He wants us to understand that there's a motivation for giving that is deep, and that is uh, that which moves us then to give of ourselves, loving God and loving others. Loyalty to God, that's what that first commandment is. The Lord our God, He's Lord alone. You'll love God with all of your being. There's an intentionality there. To love God with all of your strength is to love Him with your desires. That certainly takes in our money, our dreams, our plans, our ambitions. To love God with all of our being, that's a a powerful word. One Lord, one love. Scripture is trying to reduce down to simple basics how we learn to live generously. One Lord, one love. I'm going to say that again. One Lord, one love. Say that out loud with me. One Lord, one love. Say it again. One Lord, one love. And Scripture is is trying to, to help us get life organized around the things that matter and the things that are important. Because you see, when you come into a relationship with God, you begin to realize that every choice you make is impacted by that relationship. When you're in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, every choice you make about time, every choice you make about money, every choice you make about the use of your influence, all of that is impacted because of that relationship with God. And so, Scripture calls us to this very primary commandment to love God and love neighbor. Now, it might be helpful to just take a pause and remind ourselves what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. If you read Deuteronomy, you're going to hear a lot of the same things you heard and read in Exodus and Leviticus, but it's recast in a fresh way. You remember Moses heard the call of God and led the Hebrew people out of Egyptian slavery. They'd been slaves for 400 years. Moses led them out, but then they wandered because of disobedience for 40 years in the desert. And now the book of Deuteronomy captures Moses' sermons just before the people of God cross over into the promised land. Moses didn't go, but he led the people right to the precipice, right to the edge. And Deuteronomy is a is a set of sermons where Moses is giving them everything he can, he can instruct them about. And he wants them to remember to love God with everything they are and with everything they have. And I can just imagine as Moses is preaching this sermon, somebody in the uh, Hebrew congregation is probably standing there with arms crossed and saying, well, you know, I do love God and I do love neighbor, but I kind of think my money is my own business. There was probably somebody there who said or thought something like, you know, I did, I did all this myself. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I mean, I, I, I scratched, I struggled. Nobody handed me anything. I did it all myself, and I expect others to do the same, and that's just the way it is. It's interesting that Moses included in this sermon Verses 10, 11, and 12. When the Lord your God's brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, 
He's going to put you in cities you did not build. He's going to give you houses that you did not build. He's going to give you goods and provision that you did not harvest. He's going to give you water out of cisterns that you didn't dig. And He's going to give you fruit from vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant. And you still want to say you did this all yourself? See, one of the problems with our stewardship is that we begin with a selfishness and we begin to believe the lie that we've done it all ourselves. And we haven't. Let me ask you something. When you're in a hurry and you're parking in downtown Jefferson City at metered parking and there are two open parking slots and one meter has no time on it and another meter has 30 minutes left on it and they're side by side, which one do you park in? The one that still has time on it, right? We are all living on other people's quarters. We are here today experiencing the gospel because of the sacrifice financially and time and talent-wise that people made through the generations. We are parking this morning on somebody else's quarter. That's what faithful stewardship is. And God said, don't you dare forget, he said through Moses, don't you dare forget when you come into this land, you are not self-made. Self-made? That's such a joke. You did it all yourself. The breakfast you ate this morning, you raised all those crops, right? You harvested the cereal grain. And the milk you drink and the cheese you like on your pizza, you milk your own cows, right? And then you churn the butter and you, you make the cheese, right? And the sun that came up this morning, how did you do that? With a pulley and a winch? And the earth that keeps spinning in its faithful rotation, how do you keep it from, what kind of grease do you use from keeping it from burning out? What kind of bearings do you use to keep the earth spinning? Self-made, what a joke. We are all parking on other people's quarters. That's a part of stewardship. See, to come into a love relationship with God, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to love God and to love neighbor, always and will eventually show itself in some kind of concrete action. Because to come into a relationship with Christ changes our relationship with things. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that any person in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That means that when I come into Christ, I now have a new relationship with my possessions. I now have a new relationship with money. I have a new relationship to my toys, to things, to my time, to my influence. And there's a funny thing that happens when our heart gets changed, when we begin to love God and love neighbor. It begins to show itself in our tongue, the way we speak, in our minds, the kind of things that we dwell on. It begins to show itself and it it courses down to our feet so that the places we go and how we spend our energy. When we begin to love God and love neighbor, it, it comes out our arms and at our fingertips and it begins to affect the kind of things we do with these little devices and and the, and the PayPal, and the debit card, and the cash, and the checks, and the, and the 
the way we spend our money, that love starts in our heart and works all the way out to our fingertips to the way we concretely love. Now, C.S. Lewis became a Christian late in his life. But when he came to Christ, he was used by God mightily. He once wrote about financial giving. He said, I'm, I'm not real crazy about percentage giving. You know, we usually teach the tithe, 10% of how God has blessed us, and then offerings are above that. And, and he was coming to faith late in life, came in as an Anglican, uh, serving Christ in England. And he said, I'm not huge on percentage giving. He said, I think the only safe rule about giving is that it should be more than we can spare. It should pinch us. It should hamper us. In other words, it should be sacrificial. Not just spare change, not just giving God a tip because we like the meal today. It should hamper us. It should, it should pinch us. It should, it should put us out a little bit to rearrange some things. And have you noticed that when you really love somebody, how you will spend more than is logical and more than is practical? I don't care if it's a pet that you love, a cat or a dog. Uh, or I don't care if it's your spouse or your romantic love interest or your children or your grandchildren or a good friend. If we love somebody, we always give more lavishly than is logical and we find a way to rearrange everything else because of love for God and love for neighbor. We move things around. I think it's very telling that twice in this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy, children and grandchildren are mentioned. Verse 2, you're going you're to give these instructions to children and grandchildren. Verse 7, you're going to the, recite these instructions to your children. You're going you're to put them on the doorposts. That would be today, you're going to put these instructions on the refrigerator door where people can see them. That's the one place everybody goes, right? So children and grandchildren are factored into this. Through our faithful giving, we have the opportunity to create legacy. Through faithful giving of our time, sacrificial giving of our money, we actually have the opportunity to create an echo. We're not going to be around forever. And through our faithfulness in stewardship, we can create an echo effect to where our life and our witness continues to reverberate to our children and our grandchildren. I mentioned to you during our uh, visioning process of setting sail that because of what we're doing now, we are impacting the 22nd century. These babies that we've been dedicating lately, and there are more to come, let me tell you, it's pretty exciting. It's one of the funnest parts of pastoring a church, the babies. These babies we're dedicating, if you just do the math, if they live a normal life, they will live into the 22nd century. And certainly their children and grandchildren will. What we are doing today, as we love God and love neighbor through sacrificial, generous giving of ourselves and our money, is creating legacy, creating echo effect, so that the witness to the gospel of Christ continues into the 22nd century. Is that crazy? That's amazing.
Now Moses was standing up preaching these farewell sermons. And you catch a hint that one of the reasons he was preaching this way to his people is that he had led them out of slavery. Now he did not want them to fall into a worse kind of slavery. A slavery of selfishness. A slavery of materialism and idols, false gods. He wanted their lives to be noble. He wanted their lives to count for something. He wanted their lives to have purpose. Don't you want your life to count for something? For there to be a nobility about your life, a a sense of purpose, a reason to be? I love this quote by Richard Stearns, who is the president of World Vision, a global uh, ministry. Money, job, and status don't give purpose to life. It's God who gives purpose to money, jobs, and status. I like that. We have somehow been feeding ourselves the lie that money gives us purpose, that jobs give us purpose, that status would give us purpose, but it's the other way around. It's God who gives purpose to the jobs, to the money, to the status. And see, one of these days, we're all going to die. And they're going to take our cold, dead hands and they're going to pry out of our hands all the stuff we are holding and selfishly did not share. The only thing in eternity that's going to last are the things that we gave away. Our generosity. The things we share are the things that will last. And God wants us to love generously. To love God, to love neighbor in very concrete ways. With all of our hearts. With all of our being. Let's bow our heads and pray together. We invite you, God, to come among us to help us rearrange priorities, to think in new ways, to venture in faith, and to be uncomfortable in our discipleship following Jesus. With heads bowed for just a few moments, I invite you to uh, spend some moments reflecting on the Spirit's call on your life. Perhaps you are already a believer, and right where you stand this morning, uh, you simply would Invite the Lord to do some rummaging around in your own heart on priorities. Perhaps the Lord is leading you to come to the front to uh, share a decision to join our church during our response time. Or maybe you are one of those who for the first time is ready to open your life up and allow Jesus Christ to become a part of your life, to make a commitment of your life to him. You don't understand it. You don't have it all figured out. It's not a pledge to perfection but it's inviting him to come in and and take you just as you are and to trust him. And we're happy to pray with you if you're making that kind of decision. Amen.